Welcome back. This is the second hour of the live broadcast of Truth Jihad Radio. Kevin Barrett broadcasting on Revolution.Radio, the ultimate free speech radio network. You can help them out. Go to Revolution.Radio and find ways to do that. My website is truthjihad.com. I also have the Substack, kevinbarrett.substack.com, where you can get early access to all these shows. Well, let's get into it now. We were talking about a really interesting issue that arose uh, just, what was it, about uh, two weeks ago on December 15th when the Biden administration released some of the JFK files that were all supposed to have been released by 2017, I think it was, and both Trump and Biden have continued to give excuses for withholding some of them and then releasing dribs and drabs of others. Tucker Carlson did a pretty incendiary monologue on the issue, citing a CIA source who's seen the withheld documents, saying that, uh, yes, it appears that the CIA was involved in killing President John F. Kennedy. And, uh, of course, uh, RFK Jr. said that was the most courageous piece of journalism he's seen in 60 years. Well, yeah, but, uh, and the but comes in with the analysis offered by Edward Curtin in his article, Tucker Carlson and the JFK Allegations. It's citing and uh, I think developing the school of thought founded perhaps by Martin Schatz, the great psychologist who wrote, uh, I think it was the title of the book is History Will Not Absolve Us that goes into the sort of psychological war against the truth and against those who would pursue the truth of the JFK assassination and similar events. So it's a really good article as everything that Ed Curtin does. And so let's talk about it. Hey, welcome, Edward Curtin. How are you? I'm good, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. So uh, another really good article. Um, And it's, of course, breaking the consensus because everybody got all excited about this Tucker Carlson episode and said, how how can the bad guys possibly keep this cover up going after this? Well, <laughs> maybe maybe they can. And maybe you've pointed out some of the reasons why they can. Well, I hope I did. Um, <clears throat> I tried to keep it uh, relatively brief. Uh, uh, <clears throat> I. You're right to say that uh, people got very excited by this uh, monologue, this broadcast of, of uh, Tucker Carlson's. I, as I said in the article, I received many emails from friends, colleagues, people uh, whom uh, you know I work with on different issues, and they were they were very excited. They thought this was a breakthrough, uh, but I hadn't seen it at that point. Uh, but I did then listen to it, watched it and listened to it many times. And my first time through it, I was immediately suspicious because not not so much because it was Tucker Carlson uh, that that came afterwards, but because of the language that he used. Uh, he He said many things that were true. Uh, and, and then he went off into this kind of vagueness with the use of language uh, like a belief or believe and involvement. And uh, did the CIA have a hand in it? He asked this anonymous source. And when I saw that, that he had an anonymous source, of course, that was the first thing that jumped out at me. Uh, anonymous sources uh, when the New York Times and other 
mainstream media publications refer to their anonymous sources, people who who question those uh, media immediately say, well, you know, who's the source? I mean, we, we know that you speak for the CIA. I'm speaking now of the New York Times or NPR or the Washington Post. But when Tucker Carlson says it, uh, they don't seem to, to blink, which struck me as very weird. Mm-hmm. And then his use of, of the language. What does to have a hand in something mean? It could mean a million things. Uh, what does uh, his source says? I believe I believe the CIA was involved. Well, you believe, but do you know it was or you just believe it? And that's where you referred to Dr. Martin Schatz, uh, who I should say is is a very good friend of mine. Uh, and uh, his his book, History Will Not Absolve Us. And Marty po- pointed out in there the difference between belief and knowledge is huge, huge. Uh, and uh, so it went it went on from there, and it, it seemed very suspicious to me. Yeah, right the, from the s- difference between belief and knowledge is especially important because if there's simply a belief, but we don't feel that we know it, we're less likely to take action. And you know, there's actionable intelligence in the jargon of the CIA when they have estimated, okay, this is the way it is. This is true. And so we're going to respond to what we take to be the reality. And it seems that the people covering up events like the JFK assassination have managed to convince ordinary people that they'll never really know the full truth. And therefore there's no action that we can take. It's not worth getting up off your butt and going in with the torches and pitchforks to Washington DC because they killed the best president of his time. You know, so that, that I think the, the cutting off the possibility of action is really the key, uh, element here. And Tucker Carlson's monologue seemed to me that it sort of opened the door a little bit to the possibility of knowing and then taking action, but it didn't open it all the way. And that is a problem. Yes, uh, it, uh, as I said, uh, many of the things he said, uh, in the first five minutes were true. You know, he, he said that the CIA weaponized the term, uh, conspiracy theory and he refers to, um, uh, the book, uh, by, uh, Lance DeHaven Smith. Uh, you know, he, he, he says multiple things that are, you and I would, I think, definitely agree are true. Well, I've been and saying true. these things for years, decades even. Yeah, exactly. Um, Nothing new, nothing new to people who know about this case. But then he switched gears uh, after saying, but but again, that's the basic definition of what is referred to as a limited hangout. You know, when the cover story weakens, which it has in the JFK case, but that case is connected to so many other cases, including 9-11, and I, you know, I'll I'll stop with that at that this point. But when and and they will come out and they'll admit some things that are true, but they will never get to the key fact, and that is the key fact which uh, Tucker Carlson won't utter, hasn't uttered, 
is that the CIA and the national security state killed President Kennedy. And they killed his brother, Robert Kennedy. And all of the people I mentioned beat around the bush again and again and again and again about this. And it's it's no accident. Chris Hedges, John Kirikou, uh, um, uh, the CIA, uh, the, the JFK researcher, Jefferson Morley, uh, they all do the same thing. Well, maybe, but but actually in Hedge's case, in Kirikou's case, no, they say they haven't seen any evidence, which is absurd. Then then they haven't read anything if they haven't seen it. The evidence has been out for from <laughs> day, day one, uh, but uh, but they haven't seen it. But they haven't, you know, I know Hedges hasn't seen any evidence for 9-11 either. Uh, I don't know about the other guys on that issue, but uh, it, yeah, well, what, what do you make of Hedges? You know, he, he seems so intense and so intensely sincere, and he does speak uh, truth in an you know, unusually forthright way on some issues. Yeah, but yeah, what's wrong does. with him on these issues? It's it's kind of like Chomsky. Uh, do you think Hedges, like with Chomsky, I I actually suspect some level of dishonesty. Uh, of genuine intellectual dishonesty. Uh, I don't think he's telling us what he really thinks. But with uh, with Hedges, I don't know enough. I haven't studied him enough. Well, uh, Chris Hedges writes many things that are true and very good, and I admire some of his some of his his work. Uh, but on on this issue and on nine eleven, uh, he he's a Chomsky follower. And by the way, Chomsky had a chance long ago back in the 1960s. One of the earliest and the most important researcher on uh, the JFK assassination was a Philadelphia lawyer named Vince. Um, um, was it Salandra? Oh, oh, so, yes. Um, again, I'm, I'm, it's a little late in the day for me. I'm an early to bed guy. Uh, Vince Salandria, uh, another good friend of mine, and Vince was was into it from the start, and he offered to, uh, he he actually gave Chomsky uh, a chance to to review uh, a lot of stuff, and and Chomsky just cut him off and uh, refused to really look into the JFK case, and he stuck to that for fifty sixty years now, and he has a bunch of followers. And Hedges is surely one of them. He's always quoting Chomsky. Uh, and, and there's quite a few others. He's kind of the godfather of this stuff. Well, Chomsky, Chomsky was once quoted as having said that if a group was powerful enough to kill Kennedy, then we don't want to mess with him. Yeah, I never heard him say that, but that's pretty telling, isn't it? Yeah, kind of like uh, when he talked about 9-11 and said, well, there's there's really no evidence to support the official story, but we should still believe it anyway, uh, and because it doesn't really matter whether it's true or not. Like, <laughs> what, what can that possibly mean? <laughs> I don't know, but of course it matters. It matters greatly. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of, it's mind-boggling. Well, you know, getting back to Tucker Carlson, there is uh, another possible interpretation to saying things like the CIA had a hand in it and the CIA was involved. 
And, you know, the first interpretation you kind of alluded to already, which is that this is just, these are weasel words to simply distract us from the fact that they did it. But then there's this yeah. other interpretation that we might get from uh, people like Laurent Guyanot. And Laurent has come up with uh, a, a hypothesis about the, both the JFK assassination and 9-11 that is, is quite similar in both cases, which is that a CIA false flag was hijacked by elements loyal to Israel. And in the case of JFK, the CIA plan was to have somebody take a pot shot at JFK. Uh, it would be a failed assassination attempt blamed on Cuba designed to launch an invasion of Cuba or at least an intensification of hostility to Cuba. So that was the CIA plan. But then the Mossad faction, and that would have been represented by everybody from James Jesus Angleton, who was clearly a Mossad mole at CIA, and uh, people like Meyer Lansky, who owned J. Edgar Hoover, thanks to Dirty Pictures, among other things. And so this Mossad faction then turned it into a real assassination. And after the fact, the CIA and everybody else had to cover their butts uh, because, you know, you can't just say, well, we were planning to have a fake assassination and oops, the president really got killed. There's no, you know, so obviously they're going to cover it up. And likewise with 9-11, uh, the, uh, the same uh, thesis uh, from Guyanot is that the, there was a U.S. plan that he thinks maybe was just to hit the Pentagon that was going to be a, a false flag to launch an invasion of Afghanistan and that the Israel loyal element hijacked that and blew up the Twin Towers and made it into a monumental public myth launching, you know, war on Islam for a century launching kind of affair. Uh, so if that, you know, if Guyanot is right about JFK, then one could argue that, yeah, the CIA had a hand in it. Certain people in the CIA carried out part of this plot, and certainly the whole CIA as an agency covered it up. But the main responsibility would have been elsewhere. It would have been with the government of Israel. Well, uh, I, I've read all of that. Uh, he's a very detailed researcher. He presents a lot of good information. Uh, but I believe that that thesis that the Mossad controls the CIA is emphatically wrong. Well, well that controls. Well, they can hijack a CIA uh, plot, uh, and they have the power to do that. I think not. I never thought that that was possible. And I studied this in detail, and I know there are many people who think this is the case. Uh uh, however, I think clearly the CIA was calling the shots. I know that Angleton had the Israel chair within the CIA, and he was intimately connected to to Israel and to the Mossad. But I think it's the other way around. I don't think the Mossad could have controlled all aspects of the Kennedy assassination down to the uh, withdrawing of Secret Service protection for the president. And I could go through a whole list of things that the Mossad could not possibly have have done, uh, but only uh, the CIA could have done. I think the trail directly leads to, to the CIA. I'm not saying 
that other people didn't have uh, an, an ancillary hand in it. Uh, and, and of course, Israel had good reasons to hate Kennedy uh, because of his opposition to their nuclear program. Uh, but I, I just don't 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 buy that. Well, I guess, you know, two 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 remarks around that one would be that one could argue that Israel owns and has owned both Bill Clinton and Donald Trump, whose names were both in Jeffrey Epstein's black book, as well as everybody else who was in Epstein's black book. Epstein worked for both the CIA and Mossad, but primarily for Mossad and anybody that Epstein worked with in CIA was de facto Israel loyal. Uh, and have, have you read The Little Drummer Girl by John Le Carre? No, I haven't. I highly no. recommend that because it... Uh, it, it fleshes out a scenario that a high-level Mossad officer uh, recounted to Le Carre about uh, things that had actually happened. And so it's, I think, a, a fictionalized version of reality. And it depicts in excruciating detail how the Mossad captures and run rings around Western intelligence services um, to the point that both in the in the, in the novel... Uh, both British intelligence uh, and German intelligence are just completely uh, taken over by Mossad. Not, you know, and, and, you know, you should read it to get the sense of how it's done. It's through this very, uh, through really hard work, capturing, you know, communications uh, and people skills, uh, working with the people and getting them a little bit uh, get involved with, with you from the Mossad perspective to the point that then, now you're in a position to get them in trouble if they don't do what you want. But the, yeah, the novel describes how, uh, in this, in a particular case in which a, a British actress is co-opted by Mossad and, uh, she becomes a fake pro-Palestine activist and essentially, uh, causes the deaths of a very large number of Palestinians, including their high value targets, all run by Mossad in a situation where Mossad has managed to get de facto total control of both German and British intelligence. And thinking about that, and then thinking about the Epstein network, then thinking about the fact that Hoover had blackmail material on just about everybody who mattered in the United States and that Meyer Lansky owned Hoover. Uh, and all of one can, for, I can easily imagine how the, Secret Service person that gave the order to have the Secret Service protection withdrawn, that Lyndon Baines Johnson himself, uh, that J. Edgar Hoover, and a number of other quote-unquote Americans were all controlled by Israel, and that yes, so the CIA had a hand in it and did it, but the key people that made all the important decisions were mainly acting at the behest of Israel. Yeah, well, I... I I, I understand what you're saying clearly, and uh, I spent a lot of time looking into, uh, you know, those allegations. And I believe, uh, you know, let's take Le Carre. Uh, he was a British agent. And, you know, so he writes a novel in which he, he says the Mossad really controls British and German intelligence. Uh, well, that takes the heat off uh, British and German intelligence, doesn't it? Uh, and pins pins the blame on 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 Israel. Well, it's, and, it's not really blame. There's no blame in that novel at all. It's very oh, uh, amoral. 
Yeah, well, that's true. That's the kind of stuff he writes. I know. Uh, but if you take, you know, go to the JFK case, if if the Mossad is is the, is the main mover, uh, then the CIA is off the hook. The CIA didn't do it. And Wait, they're off the hook if they're controlled by a hostile foreign intelligence agency that kills the president? I would say they're not off the hook. I would say every damn one of those CIA people needs to be executed as a traitor. They're not off the hook. Well, if they're controlled and they they don't know it, uh, why, what, you know, they, they don't know that they're controlled. Uh, that seems to me to be the argument. That the Mossad, you know, take Jeffrey Epstein. I agree 100 percent that, uh, you know, he was working for Israeli intelligence uh, and uh, probably connected to the CIA as well. And blackmailing politicians like Bill Clinton and all these others is part of the game uh, that's been going on for, for, for decades upon decades. But I just don't see that. Uh, uh, I, I see it almost as the same thing that Tucker Carlson's doing by blaming the Mossad uh, or saying they're the ones in control. Then, you know, the CIA didn't do it. Uh, the, the CIA was manipulated and the CIA didn't didn't kill Bobby Kennedy. Well, we have all the evidence that the CIA did kill Bobby Kennedy and how, how they were running psychiatrists and well, so on and so forth, just like they did with Oswald. Why, why would the CIA pick a Palestinian Patsy? Why? Because he was highly hypnotizable. He was. Uh, uh, but why was he Palestinian? Somebody went way out of their way to make it look like a radical Palestinian who hated Kennedy's uh, position on, on Israel, uh, his support for Israel, did it. Somebody went to extreme lengths to do. There are plenty of hypnotizable people who don't happen to be Palestinian and can't be demonized as radical pro-Palestinians. For the same reason that, that I'm arguing uh, that the Mossad is not the main mover, because if you have a radical Palestinian who allegedly, you know, hates Israel and hates, uh, uh, you know, the the endorsement of selling uh, jets to 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 Israel uh, then you can point the blame at Israel and not the CIA. Hmm. It's perfect. Well, but, but the, the only people who've ever pointed the blame at Israel are you know, Michael Collins Piper, Laurent Guyanot, and a very small handful of others. Maybe Ron Unz has taken up there. Uh, but it's that, that whole uh, line has been really brutally suppressed, even within the JFK assassination research community. So it's, it's certainly not as if the CIA has managed to shift blame onto Israel for these assassinations in the popular mind or even in the mind of more than a very small minority of the people who got interested in these cases. So I don't think that argument holds water. Okay, well, uh, I, I do. There's another fellow also who um, I'm trying to think of his name now, who's written about five books on uh, on the assassination. And in his mind, it's always LBJ who's behind it all. Uh, can you recall his name? Yeah, there have been a number of people who've written books blaming LBJ, and one was Roger Stone, actually. Uh, so you think yeah. of Roger Stone? What do I think of him? Not much. <laughs> no, no, but what, were you thinking of Very Roger good. Stone as the author in question? No, no, I'm not. I'm thinking of a fellow from uh, a Philip, uh, somebody South Carolina. Oh, yeah, Philip. Um, I think his first name is Philip. Uh, G. 
gee, I can't. In, in I, any case, yeah, there there is a blame LBJ strain in in JFK research. That's true. It, oh, this a huge one, and I've I've read his books too. Uh, you know, you have to be open to other people's perspective and think them through. Uh, uh, but but again, I think in this case. Uh, I don't think that, you know, the Israel was probably connected with 9-11, but I, 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 you probably think they might have run it, I think, uh, but I don't. Well, well yeah, uh, I, I think Israel I think obviously runs U.S. Mideast policy uh, to a great extent, increasingly ever since 1967. And since 9-11 was an extension of U.S. Mideast policy by other means, just the syllogism tells you that Israel basically did it. Yeah, well, I, I don't think so. I think they're connected to it. And, uh, you know, the Mossad and the, this, this, many of these Israeli governments are very wicked and are, are capable of many things. But I just, I don't see how they control U.S., uh, uh, r- radar. They can control U.S. planes, uh, and so on and so forth. I know, that many of the the the, the uh, neocons uh, had direct connections with Israel, and many were uh, dual citizens of both the United States. So there are a lot of connections there. Well, but if, you, I, if you think of 9/11 as a coup and the JFK assassination as a coup, and you yeah. read Edward Lutvak's book *Coup d'État: A Practical Handbook*, which is a step-by-step guide to carrying out a coup d'état in a Western democracy. Uh, you understand a coup d'etat is always carried out by a faction. It's not carried out by an agency as such, like the CIA. It's carried out by a certain uh, faction, a very small minority of people who are probably in many different agencies and positions. And they are, in, in the Lutvak model anyway, they all are united in pursuing some you know, particular policy shift that they're trying to accomplish with their coup d'etat. And in both cases, it would seem to me that there might be an alliance of hardline U.S. militarists on the one hand and uh, Israel partisans on the other. In both cases, it seems to me that the Israel partisans would have more of a motive to do something that risky and drastic in that uh, without killing JFK, they wouldn't have had a nuclear weapons program and they wouldn't have had their 1967 war of aggression that captured the territory they believe was necessary to give them strategic depth. And so it would have been worth gambling an all or nothing throw of the dice to kill Kennedy. And likewise with 9-11, Israel was in terrible shape in 2000-2001 as the dot-com crash had destroyed their economy and Naomi Klein gets into that and how in early 2001, Israel suddenly pumped everything it had into anti-terror and other kind of similar security startups. And so when 9-11 happened, they hit the jackpot. It saved their economy. And they were also able to brutally crush the uh, intifada that had uh, actually demographically uh, been uh, changed Israel from a state where Jews had been coming to Israel to a state in which everybody had a second passport and the outflow was much greater than uh, the uh, immigration. So Im- Israel was in very deep trouble in both cases, and these coup d'etats in the United States essentially saved Israel uh, in, from a very, very dangerous situation. Of course, Israelis are well known to have that Jewish cultural uh, t- tick 
of thinking that they're even more endangered than they really are. So they would have seen both these situations as just absolutely existential. And given that, it seems to me that the people who are who resonated with that ideology, uh, whether in many cases they would have been actual assets, the kind that Le Carre describes, and then in other cases they would have been people who simply had that ideology that they, you know, they they cared about Israel. That in some cases they would have been saying them. And of course, the Mossad has is the most powerful intelligence agency on earth, even though it's very very small compared to CIA, because it can count on the support of a vast international network of the world's most powerful people, the billionaires like the people who privatized the Trade Center. Uh, uh, so given all of that, it does seem to me that it's not at all unrealistic to see these as Lutvec-style coups that were perpetrated by a certain faction that would have been probably an alliance between uh, Israeli partisans and hardline militarists. Well, I think uh, if you go back to the JFK assassination, the people in the Pentagon, in the CAA, Alan Dulles, uh, Angleton, uh, and, and other high-ranking people in, in the CIA and in the Pentagon, uh, they had a lot to lose if Kennedy lived. Uh, they never would have had their Vietnam War. Uh, that was over if Kennedy lived. And that was a massive, massive money-making uh, uh, endeavor. Uh, even though it was genocide of, of the Vietnamese, they didn't care about that. Kennedy was vehemently opposed to that. He wanted to end the Cold War. Well, you know, why Kennedy is killed, was killed, is crucial, is crucial. And it's crucial to these people within the United States far more than it is to Israel, to my mind, far more. Uh, Kennedy wanted uh, a nuclear test ban treaty. Uh, he, he wanted a limited, uh, he wanted a settlement of the situation in Laos. He wanted decolonialism throughout the world. Uh, you know, he, he, he was, he, he was quite radical in his last year of life. And, uh, the Pentagon, uh, had all reasons in the world and the CIA to kill the man. And then if you, if you look at the data, if you look at the, the, the small facts, Take, for example, one book, just I'll, I'll mention one book, uh, Jim Douglas's uh, JFK and the Unspeakable. In that book, if you follow the purpose of the book is really to explain why Kennedy was killed. But if you follow in that book, the notes, the, the, the small movements of Oswald and the connections, there is no way in the world that any other intelligence agency, like the Mossad, you think it's more powerful than the CIA. I do not. Uh, that the, the the Mossad could have controlled all those movements of of Oswald, uh, two Oswalds in the in the theater, and so on and so forth. It's all there. It's detailed in that book. That's just one book. Uh, so I I you know respectfully disagree with you about this. Well, I, I agree with uh, your esteem for Douglas's book, JFK and the Unspeakable. That's a that's a great book. And uh, again, I, I kind of see this kind of policy coup could take place, could involve people with somewhat different motivations. And I agree that institutionally, uh, I, I don't know about the military per se or even the CIA per se, 
as necessarily needing to get rid of Kennedy in that if I had been uh, a chair of the Joint Chiefs and my job was defending America uh, militarily, uh, I personally would obviously oppose killing President Kennedy. I would have actually been a partisan of his views and I would have viewed them as pro-American, good for American power, etc., etc., etc. So it's not so much that the institution itself needed to get rid of him. It's rather that uh, people of a certain uh, way of thinking and certain interests and shared interests uh, were, they, they wanted to get rid of him. Uh, in other words, a faction, a coup faction. And, well, it, it might have been a, a, a faction. Obviously, there were good people working in the CIA. They weren't all uh, bad people. Uh, you know, there's a, a lot of, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people working in the CIA. Uh, but it, it, I think the CIA wanted to send a message to every future American president. You either toe the line or you get your head blown off. It's very simple. We're going to show this out in, in a public street. We're going to show you what we can do. And that's exactly the effects. Every single president since President Kennedy has towed the line and they know their lives are at risk and they are afraid to make a move. And so they, you know, represented the military industrial state ever since. We've been at war all over the world, not just in the Middle East. Of course, we're serving Israeli interests in the Middle East. Everyone knows that. Everyone knows why the Palestinians are tortured uh, by the Israelis and the U.S. always looks the other way and provides, uh, you know, weapons. Everyone knows that Israel is, is bombing Syria on a, on a daily basis. Reports out of Damascus, if you have anyone, you know, that you rely on who's in Damascus. Every day the Israelis are bombing. But, but I think that they wanted to send this message and the message is been heard loud and clear by every one of these damn presidents. And until someone has the guts to step up, well, they won't. They won't. Uh, I'm sorry to say, uh, they're all afraid. They're afraid of, you know, if 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 this if they can kill Kennedy, they can kill his brother. They can kill MLK. They can kill Malcolm X. They can kill many many other people. Who's who's going to oppose them? Who, who's going to come out and say? Hey, uh, the CIA killed Kennedy. If we go back to um, uh, Carlson, Tucker Carlson, you know, I would love it if he he had another show and he came out and he said the CIA killed Kennedy and he, he went into details. I would immediately issue an apology. I'd say, well, uh, so I was Tucker, wrong. are you listening to this? <laughs> I hope so. Well, I, I hope I hope he is. I hope he is. I'm sure he, I'm sure he's he read my article. Uh, I'm sure I, he you know he read my article. Yeah, I know. I wonder what his response would be if we could if we could ask him about this stuff. Uh, I, I'm I'm totally uh, agnostic here. I, I think you make a really good point. Your challenge is necessary. It cha- your challenge needs to reach 
Tucker. And then we need to try to find out whether, you know, is Tucker really uh, going to settle for the limited hangout? Is he going to say, well, I can only go so far in the position that I'm in uh, and make excuses? Or is he really going to prove himself a genuine truth seeker and whistleblower? And there are, you know, some kids like Peter Janney, son of uh, Wistar Janney, the CIA agent who probably was involved in, in <laughs> involved, right? Part of the CIA uh, killing of JFK. Uh, a number of these other uh, children yeah. of intelligence people that have gone out for truth. They're really committed to the truth and, and healing. And so, Tucker, are you going to join those people or not? Yeah, well, it would be wonderful if if that w were the case. Uh, I know a lot of people, you know, disagree with me. Bobby Kennedy Jr. thinks that it was, uh, you know, an, an important thing. And in, in, in a certain way, it is. But then in, in another way, it, it isn't. Uh, but, you know, there are a lot of people who who uh, and I'm not saying Johnny, I'm not pointing a finger at him. But there are a lot of people who are deeply involved in JFK research, uh, but uh, they they always come up on the short end, too. They never say that uh, the CIA killed Kennedy. Uh, and they don't say also, uh, you know, from your perspective and other people's in, that you mentioned, they don't say the Mossad killed Kennedy either. A few people do say that. Um but very few people say that the CIA killed Kennedy. We're waiting. We're waiting on more release of documents. You know, before I had mentioned and you had mentioned Dr. Martin Schatz, uh, he has another phrase that is really well uh, taken and I think very important. He has said in, and written about what's called a pseudo debate. You can debate these things from now until the cows come home, even though we know what the repercussions are of of the killing of Kennedy and the Kennedys, I should say. Uh, uh, what are we talking about? Three Kennedys? Uh, uh, and, and now, you know, there's not a, the Kennedy assassination. There's the Kennedy's assassinations. Well, th three, three killings and, and one character assassination against RFK Jr. last year. Oh, oh, of course. He's been attacked over and over and over again, unfairly all the time. Uh, and, you know, he's to me, he's 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 an amazing guy. I mean, you know, he he just keeps fighting on and on. And he lets it roll off his back uh, pre pretty easily. I don't think I could do the same thing. But this, but Marty Schatz's point is a pseudo debate continues a debate into the, into eternity, into infinity. And you can debate it and debate it and debate it. And you never arrive at a conclusion. You know, there's, there's, I mentioned in the article a guy named, uh, uh, Jefferson Morley, who's a, a well-known, you know, JFK researcher, former Washington Post reporter. And uh, it, it just so happens that uh, he was in the news in the two weeks before uh, Tucker Carlson's uh, uh, monologue. And he delivered with a couple of other guys, three others at, at the National Press Club. He said that, you know, there was a smoking gun in these documents that uh, had yet to be released. And then when the doc and he said before 
the documents were not released. He said, even if the documents aren't released, they will prove that I'm right, which is, you know, I don't know how you can say that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't quite understand the logic of that either. Well, there is no logic to it. It's gibberish. You know, basically what he says is what I don't know, and I may not soon not know, supports what I'm claiming, even though I don't know it. Sounds like Rumsfeld. Exactly. All, all of the known unknowns and unknown unknowns. Well, ex- ex- exactly. Uh, and and so, uh, you, you know, and, and then actually the, the, the night after uh, uh, that uh, Carlson gave his monologue, he had on uh, the lawyer for uh, the group that spoke at the, I'm trying to remember his name, uh, the following night. Um, so there's there's some connection there. I believe between uh, the Morley stuff and Carlson's uh, monologue. I don't know exactly what it is, uh, but uh, it's it's very suggestive. I, I wrote that it's a coincidence, but uh, you know, again, I guess what I'd have to go back to again and again is that the CIA has its people in place everywhere. Uh, in every news program, in every agency of the U.S. government, on every corporate media site, uh, and in the alternative media, uh, everywhere. And it's very hard to untangle the disinformation, the lies, the trickery uh, from from the truth. It, it really is very, very hard. And if it's hard for people who spend a lot of time on it, like you and I, what about the average person? My God, it's just, you know, a very t- tough task. Yeah, no wonder they have the sort of, you know, they're, they're susceptible to disliking the conspiracy theorists because from that perspective, the conspiracy theorists are the people who are trying to make us think about this stuff. And it's so tangled up and so difficult and so unpleasant and so frightening. Uh, why why yeah. do those darn conspiracy theorists torture us so much by trying to make us think? Well, <laughs> in the situation you described, Ed, it, it sort of reminds me of the plot of Hamlet, right, where you can debate this stuff till the cows come home. You know, you can, you know, wait, try and wait till you get absolute total smoking gun proof that, you know, that Claudius killed the rightful king, the CIA killed the president, and you just kind of keep putting it off. <laughs> uh, I, I was ready to, you know, go to D.C. with my torches and pitchforks probably back in like 1974, 75 when I first woke up to this problem. <laughs> but where's everybody else with the torches and pitchforks? Yeah, no, I know. Uh, I, I remember a year or two ago, Bob Dylan came out with that song, um, Murder Most Foul. Pretty good song, about, actually. Yeah. It's great. It's a great song. It's a great song. And I think it's an important uh, song. And uh, I, I wrote an article about it. And, and all of the, the articles in the media emphasized the opposite of what Dylan was saying they emphasized all of the cultural and the the uh, and the musical part of it, and they dismissed what Dylan said in the song that they killed that they killed the the president 
and they're coming for his brothers. And it was quite, quite direct and very, very powerful. And uh, I give him great credit for that. I mean, you know, it might have taken him a long time to do it, but he did it. And uh, very few people in popular culture uh, have, you know, guts like that. Yeah, it's it's funny how the reviewers tiptoed around the just obvious, you know, message of that song. And as you say, some of them just redirected the attention to the cultural uh, effluvia that's in the song without yeah. and, and totally avoided the subject and the you know the main thrust of it. And then a, a few others, I think, you know, let it be known that they understood the main thrust of it and they very strongly disapproved and they didn't like the song. And it was a, it wasn't that good of a song. It was too long. It was you know, repetitious or they come up with some, you know, attack on, on the, on the song just because they, they don't like its thesis because it makes them uncomfortable. That yeah. remind me a little bit of the Wall Street Journal review of Thomas Pynchon's, uh, 9-11 book. You know, Pynchon wrote a 9-11 book that, Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's, it's definitely a truther book. It's, but it's, it's, it is, you know, you have to, uh, work fairly hard and even then put up with some ambivalence and ambiguity to get to the real truther, uh, core of that particular book. And the Wall Street Journal reviewer was the only one I saw that actually understood it and was really pissed off. <laughs> this guy, he's a, he's a freaking conspiracy theorist. He's a, this, you know, this American literary icon is a 9-11 truther. My God, what's the world coming to? <laughs> yes, so yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they either, uh, re, you know, they either miss, miss it, which you really can't with Dylan's song, or they try to avoid it and they obfuscate, or if they just can't help but get the message, they really hate it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> And, you know, going, going back to, to the Carlson thing, uh, Carlson's background, I mean, everyone can change, of course. Uh, there, miracles happen. Pe- people do radically change. It's not easy. It's not common. Uh, I think uh, the JFK radically changed, even though the seeds were there earlier in his life. Uh uh, but I think Douglas, James Douglas, again, is correct about JFK's transformation. But uh, Carlson's background, you know, uh, supporting the Contras, uh, supporting uh, uh, Oliver North, uh, bashing Gary Webb uh, while defending the CIA, you know, blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on. And then his father's connection, his father running the U.S. Information Agency, uh, you know, his father was a spy for the CIA. That doesn't make the son a spy, uh, but it is rather interesting when he says he's a he's a Rupert Murdoch's bitch. Uh, and I know he would dismiss that as saying, well, he was only joking. Uh, well, there is truth in jest. Maybe he was joking. Uh, yeah, but, half joking. Uh, yeah. yeah, half joking. You know, we've we've all done it. Um it's a it's a trick of kids, especially you know they 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 say oh I was only kidding I was only kidding. Yeah. I mean Your internet I, trolls I, do that these days. Yeah, I mean I've done it myself as a child. Uh, you know oh I'm only joking I'm only joking. Yeah right okay you're only joking. Well, well you the, know if you it, tell if you tell the truth you better make it funny or they'll kill you. Yeah yeah, yeah. but the interesting thing is. So, you know, we have national public radio. That's the, the left. And we have Fox News on the right. And uh, 
the guy who runs uh, National Public Radio had the same job as Carlson's father running U.S. Information Agency, all of the overseas propaganda from Radio Free Europe to TV, Marty and Voice of America and all that stuff. Uh, and his name is John Lansing. And he now runs National Public Radio. No wonder it sounds like a, a you know, Goebbels operation. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but, but, you know, pe- people on the left will defend National Public Radio and people on the right will defend Fox News. But it's a setup. It's a game. It's this binary game that they've been playing for years and years. Yeah, I, well, I like to think that Tucker is, you know, maybe I, I remember several years ago when he started getting more interesting. Yeah, he, he said something about how uh, I, I remember you know, reading he was being attacked uh, and he, he said something about you know, that gave me the sense that he had kind of gotten red pilled and angry. That is, he'd, he'd sort of awakened to the fact, I think he even said, said some of this directly that, you know, things are not as they seem. This, you know, the establishment narrative, it turns out is, is, is obviously not true. And he, and he seemed, you know, like he kind of awakened to that and gotten angry yeah. about it. And mm. since then, he has definitely been a lot edgier than the rest of these idiots on Fox. That's so, oh, for sure. You know, Hannity yeah. and those people. <laughs> My old friend, Sean Hannity. So, <laughs> so, so I, I like to think that, you know, Tucker is, uh, sincere and going as far as he can in the place where he is. And that this JFK show pushed the ball a ways down the road and that it, he would probably like to push it further if he could think of a good way to do it. And I think that's a lot of people might be in that position where they, you know, if they could figure out a way to actually get some results and, and also not, you know, destroy their careers and cause all sorts of problems for themselves and their families and so on, uh, they would, they would do it. But the, the larger, you know, situation is, is so recalcitrant that it's, it's really tough to figure out, you know, how are you going to actually do something about this issue in a way that's going to get some results. No, no, I, 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 I know. Uh, I, I sincerely wish that, you know, I, I really want to be wrong. And, uh, you know, I wrote this article because I, I believe what I say in it, but I also wrote it as a provocation. To, to Tucker Carlson. You're throwing down the gauntlet in front of Tucker. Yes. Uh, to say, you know, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd really like to respect you and to believe you. And, uh, but you have to, you know, push the envelope further. Will you do it? You know, here are some questions that I have for you. Will you, will you address these? And only time will tell if if he will. I hope I hope he does. And uh, I would just love to be to be wrong. Yeah, I I, I would, too. Uh, Of course, you know, if they go to immense amounts of trouble to, you know, keep shadow banning me and get me chased off of this platform and that platform, you know, go fund me or whatever, go bleep me as I like to call it. And, uh, and, and, uh, Patreon and stuff. And, and then they shadow ban me here and they shadow ban me there. And, 
Yeah, they're, yeah. They, they've gone to a fair bit of trouble. They put out all, you know, some ADL fat was, fat was here, and then they've, you know, slandered me on Wikipedia there. Immense energy, actually, is expended to slander me. So if they're putting out this kind of energy to go after me, I'm just some, you know, kind of mid-level at best university guy who talked about 9-11 in public. You know, what would they do to push back mm-hmm. against somebody like Tucker Carlson? So, uh, I can kind of you know, sympathize with you know, if he if he tried to take your advice and hammer even harder and take this to the next you know do the take the next logical step. Uh, what would then happen? You know, it, it, he has to kind of yeah. think about that and game it out. I guess that's a very good, very very good point. Um, you know, uh, no one cares about me uh, or what I say. Um, you know, I'm just this one guy who's very independent and and writes his stuff. And, uh, you know, but but no, no one cares. Um, but, yeah, he's in a he's in a very prominent position. And, uh, you know, he, he could be in a dangerous position for all I know. Uh, and I don't know. Uh, so I, I I sympathize also. Uh but you know we'll we'll see uh, you know maybe he's he's working out a way to uh, address these things but time will tell yeah time. there've been other people who whose views were not what the national security state really likes too much to have on big audience mainstream media people like uh, I think Pat Buchanan you know he was a fixture for a long time but then the neocons took over they kind of pushed him out and uh, other establishment people like Jeffrey Sachs, who started, you know, pushing some right, COVID truth right. and even some Ukraine truth. And now the mainstream has completely blacked him out. They're pretending he doesn't exist. Uh, so uh, yeah. if Tucker yeah. Carlson took your advice, maybe you think they would get rid of him. Uh, no more Tucker on Fox. He would have to be a YouTube star like us. And then they start shadow banning him. And pretty soon he'd be pretty much where Alex Jones is. I don't know. I don't know. But at don't least he speak- could tell the truth the way he saw it. That's true. I mean, I th- I think he has enough dough to to last a lifetime. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't think he has to worry about that. But please don't speak of me as a YouTube star. It's <laughs> kind okay. of funny. Uh, I'm just uh, a little old guy who. Well, you're you, no, you're you're a, you're an honest uh, an honest public intellectual, one of the last small handful, as far as I can tell. Uh, well, that's, that's a compliment, and I, I would like that to be true. I try to be. I absolutely. try to be. Well, maybe Tucker can end up like Jesse Ventura. He started telling too much truth, and he got pushed mostly out of the mainstream and you know, yeah, mostly yeah. out of the fringes, but he's still uh, alive and kicking last I checked and, and uh, having a reasonably good time. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's worth uh, just – Calling, you know, t- calling it the way you see it, letting the chips fall where they may. I hope Tucker will do that even more than he has. And I'm, I'm totally, uh, I, I'm in awe of your work, Ed. You're doing really good stuff, and this uh, sort of Marty Schott style analysis was really, really good. So, keep up the great work. Well, thank you. Could I mention my website? Absolutely. It's uh, edwardcurtain.com. And uh, my my book of the last two years is is called Seeking Truth in a Country of Lies. It's published by Clarity Press. Uh, and uh, in that book, I address uh, not not this issue. I, I do address the Kennedy assassination 
uh, in the, in the lead uh, chapter of that book for sure. Okay, it's good uh, stuff. EdwardCurtin.com. That's C U R T I N. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Ed. <laughs> God uh, okay, bless. Take care. Thanks. It was wonderful. Bye. Bye. It's Edward Curtin. I'm Kevin Barrett of TruthJihad.com doing Truth Jihad Radio. KevinBarrett.substack.com is where you can go to get early access and support this show. Thank you so much. Take care. Happy New Year.